I'm your host, Kaylee, and I love my career as a venue manager and now owner. I'm a glutton for punishment, coffee addict, and an ambitious leader. I've seen and done some unglamorous things in this chosen career path, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's talk about the ups and downs of venue ownership, and I'll fill you in on the crazy stories, give you some knowledge on the nitty gritty details, and share my passion for this industry. Stick around, and I'm sure you're going to understand why operating a venue, although rewarding, is elegantly unglamorous. Okay, so I am back for another episode this week. I have a great topic to kind of discuss with you today, but of course I want to share some of my crazy stories because every episode should start with a crazy story, but I think my crazy story isn't going to be as dramatic as the last one (laughs) from last episode. So this week I wanted to talk about the time that I had an ice cream cake for a wedding cake, right? So this couple is getting married in July. They want an ice cream cake. They're a little different couple, gorgeous, beautiful couple, very sweet, very kind. They're actually our neighbors. So they, I literally can look out my office window and I can see their house, (laughs) but they were, you know, they're younger. I would say she's in her early twenties. He's in his late twenties. But they wanted an ice cream cake for their wedding. I'm I'm a new business, right? I I I have been in the wedding industry, but I I didn't know that they were gonna have an ice cream cake, or I would have told them probably not the best idea in July. Um, if you don't know our business, we have an indoor air conditioning and heated facility. So it is a ballroom kind of rural setting. It's kind of, we call it like a barn setting with a ballroom. Like it's very rural. We're out on 26 acres outside of the city. But when you walk in, you're greeted with chandeliers and draping on the ceiling and large natural windows, natural lighting and things like that. So very pretty venue. And we have heat and AC, but... Oh my gosh. So we've only been in business for about two years at this time. And the couple or tells me at their 30 day meeting, they're having ice cream cake. Awesome. Great. Did not think about anything else. I thought somebody's going to handle this ice cream cake. Nope. Dairy queen delivers. Couple's not here. We put it in our freezer because we don't know what to do with this thing. Like we're not, we are not bakers. I am not a wedding planner uh, anymore. I do not assemble cakes. You don't want me to touch your cake or your food with a 10-foot pole. That is why I have a chef. But my chef is not a pastry chef. My chef is not an ice cream chef. She is cuisine and food. So this cake comes in. And it's from Dairy Queen. And they want a tiered ice cream cake. Tiered ice cream cake in July. Well, if you know Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen's not going to set this cake up. And they deliver at 12 o'clock. The wedding starts at 4. So we can't let this cake sit out for four hours. We are literally out there an hour before. Well, 
no, like 30 minutes before people get there. Cause I'm trying to set up this cake. I pull it out of the freezer and I'm like, okay, what do we do? Like, and I asked them, I said, what is this cake supposed to be tiered? And they're like, yeah, it's supposed to be tiered. Well, Dairy Queen ice cream cake is like a whipped cream on top. Right? So I start assembling this ice cream cake in a tiered fashion. There's no support systems in the cake whatsoever. I am putting on these tiers. My hands are ice cold, literally freezing. I cannot feel my fingertips because I'm trying to, I've got my hands in icing or not in icing and literally ice cream. And I'm trying to get this cake to stand up as a tiered and I'm assembling it and there's three tiers. And so I put the first tier on it. I'm like, okay, it, it's there. It, it's going to, I guess it will work. This That bottom tier is solid enough, frozen enough that it's going to support the top. I guess. I don't know. I'm not a baker. So I put the third tier on. People get here. I'm looking at this cake and I put some flowers on it, trying to hide like where my fingerprints had to go into the cake to support it, to get it together. So I hide all the flaws and then this cake starts to melt because when they come in, they do their grand entrance and then they eat and then they're waiting. And I'm like, I go up there after they get their food. I was like, you got to go cut this cake now. Like it's melting. It's literally sliding off the table. Like it is... (laughs) I wish I would have got a picture of it. I wonder if I can look up a picture or find a picture or some way. But I had <laughs> this cake is sliding and they go to cut into the cake and it literally moves like it slides off because the whipped cream on the is is it, it that's not solid enough to hold a tear like tears and it's starting to melt and it's, it's just like sliding off and it's just all these three tears are just sliding. So they cut it. They serve it to themselves. I'm like, oh, God. So we start cutting this cake. And I'm like, they ordered way too much cake, first of all. So we're cutting this cake. And I'm getting this out. And I'm like, whatever. Am I? Was I paid to do this at all? Hell no, I was not paid to do this. They didn't pay for me to cut their cake. And they didn't pay for me to assemble it. I know nothing about this. It was a freaking hot mess, guys. Like, I look like a freaking idiot because I'm put in this situation where this couple orders an ice cream cake in July. I mean, the humidity alone in the building, even though it's, you know, set at a 70, I think I set it at 68 degrees trying to keep that cake. I was like, I wonder if grandma can just put on a sweater because (laughs) I got to keep this cake from melting. So it was cold in there, but that's not going to stop it from melting. It's July. I mean, it melts on its own, just in the middle of December, sitting on a table. Oh, my gosh. It was just a nightmare. So we get this cake put out, and we put the rest in our freezer. Well, we were having issues with our coolers and our freezers for a while. Like, I just, we could not figure out what it was. We had it repaired and kept having it repaired. Well, our freezer decided to defrost in the middle of the wedding with the cake inside. Yeah. Their their leftover cake, well, they had tons of leftover cake, is melting in front of my eyes. <laughs> it was such a nightmare. Luckily, they live across the road. And I knew one of the groomsmen, he does my landscaping. So I was like, hey, can you take this cake 
back to their house and put it in a freezer because my freezer is defrosting right now. And this cake is literally melting as we speak. And he's like, yeah, I guess. So he takes it. And that was the end of the story. But what's funny is that one of my distributors it was actually at that wedding. So my beer delivery guy who brings my beer in, he's like, yeah, I was here. I was here for that wedding. And I was like, oh, you were, that was a hot mess. He's like, yeah, I remember that cake. You guys definitely should not be doing cakes. I was like, we don't do cakes. I was like, I just, it's, I, this job is so unglamorous. I'm catching ice cream in my hands. I'm trying to hold up this cake and it's melting in front of my eyes. I can't like, what am I supposed to do about this? Other than they shouldn't have freaking bought an ice cream cake or they should have bought a small cutting cake, ice cream cake for just them. We pulled it out just for them to cut. And then we put the like sheet cakes in the freezer and pulled those out. But who knows? My freezer probably would have defrosted and that whole sheet cake would have freaking went bad too. So added to my contract, I do not handle any cakes. Um, I do not cut cakes. Um, I do not do any of that. If you don't have it, then sorry, you need to have somebody. And we also don't store any outside food in our fridge or coolers. If it is a cake brought in, brought in or cupcakes brought in, even the night before, whatever it is, they got to take it home because that's not saying I'm not going to be responsible for that anymore. So now <laughs> they can no longer store any of their things in our freezer or coolers whatsoever that if it's brought in from an outside vendor or made on their own, which cake always is because we don't make it in house, that has to be stored at their house and brought in the day of and sat out on the table. I'm not going to mess with it. I don't touch it. No, nope, 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 nope. It's in my contract now because you live and you learn and I learned my lesson. So that is my story. Um, and I don't know, it's not as dramatic as the last one, but I don't really have a lot of dramatic stories that are a lot of drama. Um, this is just a funny story about um, an ice cream cake in July. So, all right, let's move on to the topic. <music> So this week, I really wanted to talk about building versus buying and the pros and cons of that. So our business, we bought, it was already a established business. If you can say established, it had eight events for the first year and they were uh, a fourth of what we charge now. <laughs> So we definitely did not make money the first year. We actually lost a lot of money, but it did pick up as soon as we were able to get in our own contracts and we had a little bit of leeway with that. So let's talk about the pros and cons of buying an already established venue. So the pros are that you have some kind of established cash flow. So we did have a little bit of cash flow the first year and that was kind of nice, but it also was a pain in the ass because we knew, we knew that we needed a certain amount of money to break even. And we didn't even get close to that because we couldn't charge what we needed to charge for the venue. We already had established cash flow from the old owners and to avoid losing their eight contracts that they already had, to keep some kind of cash flow coming in, we kept all the contracts the same. But 
they're definitely not the type of clients that we wanted to have. And I don't say that in a rude or mean way. I say that in as the quality of what we wanted to establish as our brand was not demonstrated. So the next year we had to slowly introduce like higher venue cost and we had some pushback on that. Um, so we also had less overhead. So we really just purchased the property. We got a steal on this property in the business. And what happened was we got the property 26 acres and the building and the business kind of came along with it. And instead of tearing the building down and building a whole new building, what we did is we renovated the space, updated the space because it was literally stuck in the eighties with paneling and wagon wheel chandeliers. It was dark. It was gloomy. It was dirty. We came in new windows, custom windows, draping chandel draping on the ceiling, chandeliers, modernized it, made it more neutral to fit every type of wedding. And then, you know, we opened within four months. So we really had less overhead. We we didn't spend nearly what it would have cost to build a new venue, but we probably spent half of what it would have cost to build a new venue. Those are the pros, but the cons are we had an established brand before we took ownership. Um, the Listen, I hate the color red. This is going to be my one thing. I hate the color red and I don't think red should ever be used in branding in the wedding industry. Why do I say that? Unless you're doing like an industrial or like maybe maybe I don't know, in the city more modernized maybe. Maybe. But our brand is green and light and neutral because a lot of weddings that's what couples are looking for. So our brand had to be reestablished. So we had to take and fight against the old brand of the old owners to establish our new brand. We had to change the name, which people still call us Coyote Hills. People still call us Coyote Hills. We are not Coyote Hills. We are the Eden. We are a different business. We are different ownership. So I am constantly trying to fight that. But anytime I'm around locals, if I say, yeah, we own the Eden, and they're like, you own what? I'm like, the old Coyote Hills, they're like, oh, I know that place. So, you know, like we still fight that. And it's five years later. We're, we're still fighting it. Um, and we had minimal customization that we could do to a building that was already built. Because if I could customize my own venue, I would have way more storage than I've got now. Because as a venue, you can never have enough storage. And I have a capacity of 400 people. Where do I put the tables and chairs when I have a wedding of 200? Can't just have extra tables and chairs out and them not being filled and it, it looking sad, you know? So I have nowhere to put those damn things. I really don't. And we have a barn on the property, but you can't take that outside. It's not temperature controlled. And the my wood chairs, my wood folding chairs, the expansion of the humidity going from, you know, 90 degrees one day down to 40 degrees the next day in the fall and spring, we, they would ruin our chairs. Tables, not so much. I We've stored some things out there, but I've got 450 chairs. And what the hell do I do with them? They sit in a corner in my back room because I don't know what, to, there's nowhere for me to put them. So if I could customize anything, I would add more storage. And since we do catering on the property, 
I would have new kitchen equipment and a new kitchen layout. But when you take on an old business, you don't have the customization that you really could do with, you know, a brand new building. If you want a big bridal suite, you plan for a big bridal suite. I had to find where I could actually fit a bridal suite. So it is a struggle and we deal with it all the time. Now, the pros and cons of building a venue. Sorry, guys, I'm a little stuffy. Um, I always am. It's allergy season. So if you hear me stuffy and I sound kind of nasally, I'm sorry. <laughs> it will get better once winter comes. Um, so the building pros, to build a venue, really get to start fresh from the ground up. So you have as much customization as you want. If you want certain things, you can plan for those certain things. Um, if you want, you know, if you have a big ballroom and you need air conditioning and heat, you can actually plan to not have a residential AC air unit for a space like that. Like, guys, that's what I deal with. I, I am constantly fixing issues here because we took on an old, old business. The, but you also, you know, when you are building, you get to really pick out your location and you get to research the market demands and figure out what kind of brand and what kind of venue is going to work best within that market. So you can really be flexible and you could, you know, if you're in Tennessee in the mountains, you might go with more of a lodge. If you're, you know, down by the beach, you might go with more of a light, airy beach house kind of feel like you're not, you are not tied down to a certain location. So you really could go anywhere and you could put, pick land anywhere. And you can adjust your brand and your marketing to fit the needs of that market. And you can also do a do research beforehand to see if you have enough venues in that area. And if you see there's not very many within a 30-mile radius, you that's a great spot to be at, you know, if you if you've got the population to support it. The cons, though, is you really start with nothing. You start with nothing. So you have to be very business minded to analyze the cost of what it's going to be, to decide what you're going to charge, to decide what your packages are, and to decide what the demand is. You have to be business minded to understand all those variables so you can hit the ground running. You've got tons of overhead. Building a venue is expensive. It's expensive. And a lot of times people put their own personal retirements on the line just to build a venue or they put their house up just to build a venue. And there's so much risk involved with that. So you've got tons of overhead because it's super expensive and you've got more risk. And another thing is, is as soon as you open, unless you're trying to book dur during the building process, which isn't an easy venture at all. You've got a lot of, you better be really good at sales <laughs> to be able to sell a venue that isn't tangible yet or to sell a venue that is in middle of construction. So you've got to have a lot of good sales skills there. Um, but you know, you're, even when you open, you're really not going to have that clientele, you really are going to have nothing for the first six months. It's going to be very, very minimal. Um, and that's just because it takes 
couples a year to 18 months to plan their wedding. So you're the first stop. And if you start this business and you, you know, it takes you a year to build it, you've got minimal amount of sales and bookings happening during the construction process. And hopefully you snag a couple that can get you started with a couple weddings. So you've got to really analyze that and try to figure out what the risk is and how many months you're going to face with be like downtime. You also have a lot of planning on your schedule of when that building is going to open and when you're going to be in construction and how long construction is going to take. And right now you got COVID and supply issues. So that's a whole nother story. But um, there are a lot of cons with building a venue. So but there's a lot of pros because you can really just have full customization and you can make it what you want to make it. So what do I suggest? Listen, I can't tell you what to do. <laughs> and I think that if it really depends on your personality, it depends on how risky you are. It depends on how much money you have in cash flow right now to put into your business. It it really depends on your own situation. The safest way, I think, is how we did it. <laughs> and that's by buying an already owned business and already established business established with air quotes and turning that into your own and rebranding and gradually raising prices and gradually changing everything. You're going to have some pushback, but that's a little bit less risky because you're not going to have that overhead that you had with building another venue. Um, and you're going to have some kind of word of mouth already established because when we per took purchase and ownership, we had that word of mouth established. People were excited that we were taking ownership. Of course, that faded off real fast because the only people that knew about us at that time were local people or a small town of 900. <laughs> and they were happy that we were taking ownership until we changed the pricing, until we changed the operations, until we changed a lot of things. And around here in a small town, people don't like change very well. They kind of give you some pushback on that. So, you know, we figured, we found out that our local area is only about 8% of our market. <laughs> so we figured out real fast that they weren't our market. And so we moved on to another market that was going to actually be more successful for us. Um, and that's by going to the city and actually pulling from, you know, the urban areas. But the, you know, I think that the way we did it was less risky. Um, it, it's year five. We're actually looking into building another venue on the property. So because we are booking so fast that I am turning away clients. Um, after COVID hit, we are better on the out at the end of COVID than we were going into COVID. So it is a breath of fresh air that we actually have the opportunity opportunity now after five years to consider adding in another venue. Will it happen soon? Probably not. We really want to take our time and make sure that we have the financials. We want to make sure that we have enough research about you know, cannibalization of two venues on one property and one being the more preferred venue versus the other. So we just really want to take our time and make sure things are right. So it might take a couple years, but, um, you know, we started small and we grew and we pushed our way through it. 
Is it right for everybody? Not always. It's not always right for everybody. And building a venue has a lot of positive outlooks and, and ways that can, you know, be beneficial. So I hope that you take some information away from this episode and decide what's best for you because based on your situation, it's not going to be exactly or identical as ours, but I love to give feedback in my own thoughts (laughs) because, you know, I like to just give my opinion, even if it's unasked for, I always give it. (laughs) So that's it. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it and you took away a little bit of information and apply it to your business and, Hopefully you decide what's best for you and take the step and leap forward. All right. I will see you next week, guys. Bye. Do you know another venue owner, event professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that you think will benefit from this podcast? Why don't you share it with them and help me inspire others? Stay informed by following or subscribing to this podcast. You'll be notified each time an episode is posted. You can also follow me for more tips and inspiration on Instagram at Elegantly Unclamorous Podcast or on our website at ElegantlyUnclamorous.com. I'll see you next time.